It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Mona, how's life? Like in the Time Bureau? Settling in? Dating anyone? Uh, good, great, yes. I mean, there is someone. Lay it on, Nate. I think it might be inappropriate, because I work here. And he's here, too? Wow. Exactly. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about, and trust me, he has a crush on you, too. He does? Mm-hmm. I or I was just imagining it. We don't even, like, speak the same language. Well, he does have a unique way of expressing himself. I'm afraid people would think it was weird. I mean, that hair. He just needs the right product. What about the man meat? Um, what, what, what about it? I think he's, you know, handsome. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's 2018. I, I don't judge. Welcome, Primers, once again, back into this episode 126 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. We are recording slightly early this week. Uh, We usually record on Sundays to release Monday morning. Uh, You will be hearing it at the same time, but Rob and I are a couple days early due to my travel uh, itinerary for this weekend. I will not be available to record Sunday morning. So this is currently on a Thursday night, but uh, shouldn't make much of a difference as the shows have already aired. And I will not lie, one of the episodes that aired this week, I have watched three times and it is only um, Thursday. I, I've watched it twice, so okay. it's okay. Right. <laughs> I, nor- I normally don't rewatch. I, I usually don't either, but the one this one episode, man, I I I love it. It's just it was so good, and I have a pretty good guess which one it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what? Let, let's just jump right into it. I mean, it's let's do it for for those of you that are new to the podcast. Welcome in, and uh, we'll give you the quick explanation real quick. First off, we'll go through all four of the episodes that aired this week. We'll give them our one to three point ranking, that being sidekick, hero, or legend. And then we will just jump right back to the beginning and start breaking down the episodes. And I'm just going to make this very easy. I- I'm going legend across the board. Ooh, very I, nice. I really am. The, um, there's one of them that I could give a hero, but uh, you know what? I don't think I had as big of an issue with the one thing I know you did as I have in the past couple episodes. So... Uh, there were some cool things that they did with the episode, and it bumped it into – it's a low legend, but I'm going legend across the board for all four, so it's easy for me. Okay. Well, I can say Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and The Flash all got legends, 
And I was really considering giving Arrow a sidekick this week. Really? Yeah, I am. Uh, the more and more I thought about it, and that's we're, we're just going to have an interesting conversation. We'll get yeah. to Arrow. I am officially going sidekick. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's gonna, definitely going to make things interesting. I think this is the, uh, the first time... I think this is the first time this has ever happened in the course of the – because usually if you've given something a sidekick, I might have given it a hero or vice versa. Or if I gave it a hero, you gave it a legend, vice versa. I don't think we've ever been this far different on an opinion of an episode. I don't think so. But I also – I'll be honest. I will I will give my opinion of it. Uh, a lot of people will probably disagree with me, and I know that's perfectly fine. Um I don't even want to waste that much time on it because there's better things to uh, to discuss this week. So okay, all right. Um, it is very poignant to know too that we are in the uh, the penultimate week before the Elseworlds crossover. The Elseworlds crossover is beginning uh, this coming Sunday, uh, which well, my, I know we're both completely stoked. Uh, but that also means the one thing we didn't incorporate into this last week because we thought we had a little more time. This is also the mid season finale for Supergirl. Arrow and Flash, and part one of Legends of Tomorrow's midseason finale, which we knew that part already. Yeah, yeah, um, we did we, know that. So. Yeah, we knew that Legends uh, midseason finale, the second half of it was going to air the same week as Elseworlds, but we thought there was at least another week of these shows after Elseworlds, and going into that, knowing that this is the midseason finale of all these shows, Elseworlds is next week, and then we take our break, and you put into that, you incorporate incorporate into that. Something that John Wesley Shipp said during my interview with him earlier this week in that this is going to affect these shows going forward. We now under I now understand why the midseason finales came before Elseworlds, uh, because I think some of the predictions we might have made early on in this being some form, maybe not crisis on infinite earths, but some form of a crisis event, I think might happen. I, I think there's a high chance. Um, yeah. And we'll get into that when we get into the news because of a very specific line that does indeed appear in the brand new full length trailer for Elseworlds. Yeah. So. Uh, and if you did miss the the interview with John Wesley Ship, you can find that uh, on the social media page on Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, it's available on our feed if you subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all those good things. Uh, we highly recommend that because John was another came back and was a delightful guest once again. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's uh, you know what? I will actually say this. Uh, you know, we're recording this uh, Thursday night. Maybe this would be a wise one for us to, if I don't know what you, what it's if it's possible for you, but maybe we release this one early uh, to give people a couple days to catch up before Sunday's big kickoff. Uh, do we want to maybe release this on Saturday instead yeah, of we- Monday? Uh, I, I think Friday or Saturday. I think the the more time people have prepping for Sunday, the better on this one. Um, okay, we can definitely it, think about that. I do know the Lost. It is pod- your call, sir. Yeah. The Lost podcast does release on Friday mornings, so maybe Friday evening or Saturday morning we can yeah. we can release this. So you might be hearing this early, depending on what decision we make. Um, but let's jump into things and let's start diving into the episodes, starting first with Supergirl. 
Season 4, Episode 8, titled Bunker Hill. Uh, Nia has a powerful dream about Agent Liberty, but refuses to look at it as a prolific dream and pushes it aside. After, notices, after noticing something is bothering Nia, Kara enlists Brainy's help, and the two try to persuade Nia to embrace her destiny. Meanwhile, Manchester Black play, uh, pays Ben Lockwood a menacing visit. So, uh, yeah, we have to make note, too, that this is also the Kevin Smith-directed episode of this season. He did say things were going to take a little bit of a darker turn. Uh, and by the end of this episode, uh, that's definitely the case. There's, there's definitely some big changes going into the second half of this season because of the outcome of this episode. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to jump too far to the end just because we, we want to discuss it a little bit. But where do we want to start? Um, the There's no Lena in this, so there's not really a Lena James story to talk about. Uh, we could dive into the Neonal aspect or we can dive into the Manchester Black Ben Lockwood aspect of it. And the, well, the two stories do kind of converge by the end. Oh, yeah. they Well, I mean, they're very very much a convergence uh, in their stories. I mean, um, you know, uh, dreamer very much has a massive impact on, uh, everything that comes to, to head and to terms, especially with Manchester black and Ben's story. Absolutely. Um, so I think maybe let's start with Nia because setting her up, uh, is important to get us to That's the true. final outcome. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we're seeing things. Uh, we knew who Nia was going to become at some point. And now it's been revealed through the course of this episode that Brainy also knew this at the same time. She is known in the future to the Legion. And he even goes by calling her a different name at one point by accident. And I can't remember now for the life of me what that name was. I think it was Nura. I think um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that if is memory it. memory serves correctly. Yep. Um, but yeah, and, so, and there's a there's a deep history in the comics with that, and I think it's because Nia actually has a sister, Nura, uh, and I I might be mistaken on that, but I don't feel like looking it up as we record. <laughs> so, <laughs> nope, perfectly fine. But yeah, we're seeing uh, you know Brainy kind of tap into her so that to kind of help her kind of focus her abilities that she's now developing, and we see Brainy and Kara kind of. I guess train her a little bit uh, and focus on the dream that she had. We do see her, of course, have the dream in the beginning where she sees um, it's very cloudy to her and is appropriately shown to us as the audience the same way. But we do know that she sees Agent Liberty. She, she does see Manchester Black. She does see a woman who is very blurry at the time. So she doesn't know who this woman is when she's having this dream. But it is Brainy and Kara who kind of help her to clarify what her dream is becomes mm -hmm. and we get to see the entire situation play out in her in her mind of manchester black agent liberty and the woman being ben lockwood's wife yeah absolutely so but i think correct me if i'm wrong isn't it also in the dream or is it in the factory that they've oh no no it's when they go to the factory they find out that it's lockwood steel yes, that wasn't yes, in the dream correct okay mm -hmm. so um Going forward, where do you think they're going to go with the with the Neonal? Do you think she's going to become Dreamer, or do you think they're going to kind of keep it maybe a little grounded and keep her as somebody who is still developing these abilities? Do you think she'll eventually I, become a superhero? I, I do. I think we're, it's going to be a little bit of time before you really see her kind of come to pass, because, again, we do know 
uh, obviously in you know Brainy's time, uh, she is very much a large member of the uh, Legion of Superheroes. Um, she's got a pretty hefty history too across all of uh, you know this the DC Comics universe. So I, I think it's really cool that, that they're doing this. But like again, because we know that really comes into play during Legion times, not now. Um, that I think they're going to try to have to keep her grounded at least this season, unless she ends up leaving with Brainy at, at the end of the season, which is very much a possibility because the question is now with some of the things that happened with Kara and the DEO by the end of the episode, it makes you question to what's going to happen to Brainiac five now as well by the end of, uh, well, when the show comes back after break, because that could change for him too. And what his position with the DEO is. So, yeah. Um, a lot, a lot is in the air right now until the show comes back, and I think that's that's going to be the interesting part of trying to talk around that before we get to the end. The only thing that really confused me a little bit about the whole Neonal and Brainiac story so far is the fact that you know we get that moment when there, there's a little bit of a reveal to Kara that something is going on with with Nia, and then Brainy unintentionally it, it kind of reveals that he knows more that there's more to her and he does go into the whole discussion about i can't tell you what it is because it could ruin you know time and the space-time continuum straight out of back to the future which back to the future plays a big part in another show this 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 week but what confuses me about that is that he's not willing to reveal more details about neonal because it could ruin the space-time continuum but that but yet there definitely seems to be seems to me like there's an interest in Brainy in Nia, um, you know, in like I mean, we get that whole humorous scene of him like, "Hey, girl," and like sliding down, like he's trying to flirt with her a little bit. But as yeah. somebody who knows what that could do to the space time continuum, wouldn't he kind of also know that that could ruin it as well? I, I think so. And actually, you know what? Um, I, I while we were talking to, I did pull up the information because <laughs> it was starting to bother me. Now. OK. Uh, and I so Nia is meant to be an ancestor of Nura Null. So same family, same power set, okay. because she even mentions in this episode that certain women in her family line end up having this ability. So. OK. And that's how that works. So I think there if memory serves correctly and again, really hard to to remember all the, the way that this breaks down. Um, it, it's the fact that Nura is one of the teammates of Brainiac 5. And I, at that time, in the Legion of Superheroes, that's why there's that weird uh, look that he constantly gives her when he first sees them, sees her for the first time. It's kind of like, I know her. And then it's like, ah, it's Nia, not Nura. So I okay. think that's where the connection's meant to be. They never come out and say it, but I'm sure that information's going to come out over time, um, over the next several episodes. But Brainy, uh, Brainiac did make that statement kind of saying, I really can't bring up what I know. So Okay, so maybe it, it, the slip then was more of him calling her by her ancestor's name rather than a name that, of somebody that she's going to become. Right, but she is essentially Dreamer as well. So it's same power, exact power set. Okay, all right. But again, that leads me to the whole thing of like, wouldn't, would he not know that that would ruin the space-time continuum, if he were to flirt with her, something would happen with um, her. Honestly, I guess maybe based on his knowledge of the history, um, and again, based on the type of character he is, I think he's just kind of like, well, if something or X were to happen, uh, nothing nothing would actually be possible. Or and he, he may know the outcomes. So I think he's one of those characters that 
Time is malleable, and we'll we'll come back to that later. Yes, so. we will. Yes, we definitely <laughs> will. Uh, but we do see that you know, investigating what's going on with with the dream, investigating the warehouse leads them to Collinwood, which is where, um, you know, it seems like this is kind of like the headquarters now of where the the Children of Liberty, and I believe that's where Ben Lockwood lives. Right, Correct. that's where okay. his family family is at, and uh, they do end up going into Lockwood Steel. They don't realize it's Lockwood Steel until they're locked up uh, by some of the Children of Liberty, which that's that was right. kind of their their plan. But the building that they're taken to, because again, they're they're kind of black bagged, um, you know, essentially. And uh, when they're in there is when they realize that there's the old Lockwood Steel sign, uh, which gives them the tip off that Ben is uh, indeed Agent of Liberty. And uh, we see them confirm that later with Alex at the DEO. Yeah. So. And it's it's kind of a funny mo- – we get another kind of funny moment out of that too when they're, as you said, black bagged and they're kidnapped. And, you know, Kara says like we've uh, – when you get kidnapped, you know, reporting 101, when you're, when you're kidnapped, you're on the right track. And Nia's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And Kara, well, tell that to Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was uh, a very – That was a great line. It was yeah. a great line because, of course, knowing – that's what happens to Lois most of the time when she's investigating. If you've seen anything Superman, you know that's what happens. Well, I think this is a perfect time to put a pin in this part of the story. Agreed. Um, because we do clearly know, because again, as you mentioned before, Ben Lockwood and uh, Manchester Black were the only two characters that we saw that were evident in, in Nia's dream. Um, but that takes us to Manchester Black's story where we see him rolling up on Ben's home very early on in this episode. Um, as we mentioned in the end of last week, you weren't quite sure if that was him putting it together. Uh, and I'm, so that was very much confirmation that, yep, he absolutely figured out Ben Lockwood was indeed Agent Liberty. Yeah, I was way off with my prediction that he was going to become <laughs> Steel. Way <laughs> off on that prediction. Um, but yeah, so we, we see him uh, pay Ben a visit and pretty much there to kind of set up kind of like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to bump off your wife. Um, because you deserve this. And, um, again, it was, it was a really beautifully written and beautifully acted se- sequence of events, uh, watching those two characters, Sam Whitweer and, uh, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. It's driving me nuts. Um, I was just talking about him to somebody else, uh, just Tuesday night. So, uh, and we were realizing, uh, um, that D- David Ajala. Yeah. David okay. Ajala. Uh, that, you know, like we were just kind of like noticing, too. And I, I want you to say next time you look at a shot of him, tell me his facial features don't look identical to Tim Curry and it and it not creeping you out after you see it. <laughs> OK, uh, all right. We passed around a no lie. We passed around a photo at a diner and we were like, and everybody was like, yep, he's black Tim Curry. And it's creepy. I'm looking uh, at a picture of him now and I can see it. It's, it's very it, weird. Because we were watching the episode and he made a face at one point in time later in the episode near the end. And I stopped, paused it, and I looked at my wife and I'm like, that, he looks just like Tim Curry. Oh, my God. And I'm like, and it's, and it's creepy. I'm looking at a picture of him in a movie called Black Box and uh-huh. he, he looks yeah, he looks he, like Tim Curry. Same eyes, same nose, same smile, same facial structure. It's creepy. Uh, it's really creepy. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now um, that's going to change the way I look at him going forward. Now, thanks yeah, a lot. You can't unsee it. Trust me. <laughs> um, 
It's crazy. Um, but man, like man, oh man, like he just continues. David continues to be one of my favorite actors on the show. Uh, but him and Sam playing off of each other in that sequence in, in the Lockwood home was just phenomenal. Uh, they they just constantly just knocked it out of the park every time they had a moment to, to share. And when that culminates, when, you know, he actually looks at, you know, Ben's wife and it's like, hey, do you you do realize who your husband is uh, and basically kind of, you know, has it has her at gunpoint and it's just kind of like go ahead let's go down in the basement why don't you show your wife exactly who you are yeah and and that culmination and that fight and how it kind of continues how everything goes down as they end up into the nth metal plant uh, i mean i know i'm kind of racing through this but it, it's there's so much of it is that it's purely them sitting there in tense dialogue and well, but, um, and you, it was stunning to watch. It, it, it is. And you also get the, the occasional in, interruptions by John at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, John found the brass knuckles earlier on in the episode and which was his physical uh, tangent connection to be able to tap into um, Manchester's mind. And we do see, we do get a couple moments. I think there's three where he kind of, you know, pauses everything around him so that he can speak with him. And, we're we're definitely seeing uh, this is really building up to I think what's going to come down to John versus Manchester later yeah, on uh, as I this really series progresses. Um, and one of the things I really like too is because one of the questions posed in this is Ben's kind of like, well, what are you in all of this? And he's just like, oh, I'm just a human. And he's like, and and he said, well, well, no, what are you in this? He's like, I'm the intolerant left. So I think it's kind of interesting that we have the intolerant right versus the intolerant left. And Supergirl, very much on the left, but um, willing to compromise and talk. Uh, so I think it's an interesting way that they're really framing this. And Manchester became this completely different part of this equation that I never really kind of counted him as. And I think that changes so much about how the season's going to continue to shake out. And I think that makes it a lot more interesting. So. I, I want to make a prediction here. And it's not really – maybe it's a prediction. Maybe it's a question. But we know you know, Manchester is kind of on his own. And we do know that he went – he did at one point go to the weapons dealer to get you know the guns and everything that he needs. Do we think that's where he got – uh, like these moon dust grenades and the armor and everything too, or do we think maybe somebody's backing Manchester? I I, I think it's the uh, it purely a dealer. I mean, he. I don't think we're going to see much. I think the question of where does his tech come from is going to be such a minor piece of the equation. Uh, and I think we're just led to believe that he's just resourceful. And I I think that's really what it's going to boil down to, because okay. I think that feels like something that's not necessary because he's proven already even against supergirl that he's ready for anything so we already know he's he's got the chops to do what needs to be done regardless of what he's up against uh he's already proven how intelligent he is by figuring out who ben lockwood uh, well ben lockwood is agent liberty even before the deo did um so we know this guy has got serious chops when it comes to kind of thinking uh, thinking through issues and problem solving. So I wouldn't be surprised to find out more about maybe we might get a taste of it, but I wouldn't also be surprised if he's creating some of it as well. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. He's definitely already at this point showing himself as a human being to be somewhat more of a formidable foe than some of the other people she's faced already, you know, yeah. from aliens, whether they be, you know, aliens that escape the prison or, or, and such, he's becoming more of a formidable foe already. And he's human. 
Um, and I, at the same time, though, too, uh, the one person I, I think if we are going to see him tied to anybody, uh, I wouldn't see, be surprised to see him tied to um, somebody in the Luther family, Spe- uh, specifically Lena or not Lena, uh, Lillian or Lex. Uh, I think if, if he is getting his tech from somebody, I could see it being from one of those two sources if they do choose to go into it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can so. see that at the same time. Um, but let's kind of tie everything up and, you know, kind of lead into um, where the series changes and where it's going to go after it comes back from its midseason finale. Um, you know, we do see the two stories kind of converge, not kind of converge. They absolutely do converge in that we see Brainy and Nia in the factory. We see Manchester kind of put Supergirl down for a minute in covering her with the Nth Metal, which... Definitely after hitting her with the moon dust grenade and then coating her in the nth metal kind of stops her for for the time being. And it turns out to be Neonal that stops Agent Liberty and well stops Manchester uh, from murdering Agent Liberty's wife, Ben Lockwood's right. wife. And I, I thought it was really interesting, maybe a little bit of overkill, but definitely a cool effect to see her fly and lift the building. Mm-hmm. Because it very rarely do we ever get not rarely but it more times often than not we don't really see her true strength yeah i i I think this was one of those times where we did and again this was like a moment kind of like lifted from a comic book like we've seen superman do things like this and I, i it was it was a fun moment it was one of those kind of like hey um you know my brain always goes back to the end of justice league unlimited where we see superman talk to dark side he's like you know what I've been holding back all this time. I live in a world of cardboard, but you know what? You can take it. <laughs> so uh, it, it's that it's that mentality that you remember. Kryptonians are a lot stronger than we give them credit for. Well, to anybody, um, yeah, to anybody who's ever watched Smallville, I mean, the the final episode of Smallville involved uh, Clark becoming Superman and pushing the planet Apocalypse away from Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's how Smallville wrapped up in its series finale. Spoiler alert. Sorry to anybody who hasn't watched Smallville at this point. Um, <laughs> if you good. haven't, it's been, what, almost 10 years since that show wrapped. So sorry. Um, uh, no, no, no. Sorry's in that. Like I said, we don't. <laughs> this is a spoiler show. So that's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> and again, if you're angry at a spoiler from 10 years ago, I, you know what? Next episode, I will come ready with a list of movies from <laughs> 10 years back and we'll just start going through the endings of each. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Kryptonians are definitely a lot stronger and they kind of hold back a little bit. So uh, we, it was cool kind of seeing, uh, you know, a, a little bit of her pure strength being able to lift a building while coated in nth metal. And that's how she got out of the nth metal as well was when the building landed, it shattered metal. So I found it kind of funny, though, that the building shatter, the building dropping was enough to shatter metal, but it wasn't enough to shake Ben Lockwood and Mrs. Lockwood a little bit more than just falling over a balcony like (laughs) that. Like that would have really lifted them up in the air. Well, you got to think about it, though, too. You know, her flying, you know, it's kind of like when like somebody says here, open this jar and you can't get it and somebody else grabs it. And what is the first thing is like, well, I, I loosened, loosened it for you. you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, exactly what this moment was. That's but, all. but by the end of this, you know, we see that Supergirl does rescue uh, Ben Lockwood's wife from falling over the balcony. Um, the only other kind of thing I didn't I, I and again, this is purely nitpicking was we see how Neonal stops Manchester Black by taking the hook that she saw in her dream and swinging it towards Manchester Black, striking him and knocking him unconscious. Um, that was a two-ton hook. 
meaning it could lift two tons worth of weight, meaning that hook itself would have killed Manchester Black, not knocked him out. But again, Uh, purely nitpick. Yeah, comic book show. Exactly. Purely nitpicking. That's all it was. Again, it's kind of like, you know, how did the one one uh, child? uh, Well, child of liberty, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, not have a fractured skull after uh, Brady put his Legion ring on him and he flew into the air and came crashing down. Yeah, yeah, Which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, But, you know, when everything comes to a head and everything's done, Ben Lockwood is in prison. It's been revealed that he is Agent Liberty. Uh, Manchester Black is going to prison as well. And we are seeing uh, kind of the world turn against Supergirl and... uh, Mainly because of one thing that Ben Lockwood says, and it shows the pure impact of his words in that when he is being locked up, he says, yes, this is who I am. But, you know, who are you? And directing that directly to Supergirl. And it leads the president to kind of say, like, we need to know who you are. I need to know your secret identity. It's kind of it's that kind of thing. He says optics matter, you know. Uh, especially for government employees. And yeah, it was it was interesting, too, because, again, we, we see her make this decision, says, well, if I'm if you don't unmask, well, he, he basically says, if you don't unmask, you can't do this anymore. Your services are no longer required. And she's like, cool, peace, I'm out. Yeah. And, and that was it. And we, we see the DEO left with Alex kind of as an underling more than anything else, uh, kind of a prisoner in her job unless she chooses to leave. Um, so yeah, you're right. I am very curious to see how this is going to play out. Um, well, not only, not only that, but it's, well, go ahead, finish your, finish your thought. And then, well, it it makes me wonder a little bit is agent Liberty working with the president is a big question in my, in my mind now is, is he alongside the the road? And we don't know he's got some involvement with president Baker. Uh, is that what's going to undo all of this by the end of the season? So I, that's I a big question. I don't necessarily think he's working with President Baker. I don't think they're in cahoots with one another. I think I think what's going to happen is we, – and we talked about this a little bit last week in that the Agent Liberty character is exactly that. It's a symbol. The mask is a symbol. And we're seeing a lot of these people – protesting outside of the prison, you know, wanting him released, his wife included, even after she was just saved from Supergirl, we see her outside protesting for the release of her husband. And because of the chant that she starts, I think I think it's just literally the word liberty. Yeah. And that to me is her saying like I don't just stand behind my husband because my because he's my husband. I stand behind my husband because I believe in what he believes in. After everything that she just went through, she, I think she kind of now is seeing what he is seeing, and she's standing behind his ideals. And I think that's what's going to happen. Is it, even, it, it, it emboldened the the children of liberty and added a lot of people to their cause in one quick moment. And I think we're going to see a new person step up as Agent Liberty. We very much could. I mean, this. Ben basically goes down as a martyr by the end. Of yeah, the exactly. I mean, uh, and also I, I, I this is important just uh, because, you know, we, we bring up President Baker. I want to have uh, put a movement forward for this podcast. Can we just start calling him President Tron? <laughs> I'm fine with it. OK, cool. Done and done. <laughs> yep. The motion carries. Yes, <laughs> All right, I'm fine with it. And we're the only two that matter when it comes to that. So uh, yeah, motion motion moved. I'm, I'm good with it. Um, 
so the only thing really left to talk about is the teaser at the end. Um, yeah. But I want to save that. I want to save that until we're done talking about the Flash because that teaser is at the end of all three episodes. It is which the, was smart. I it, think that was really a smart move. And that was something else that came that we did talk about with with John was it was directed by Tom Cavanaugh, which is fantastic. Um, and it they did it because they knew the audiences. Not everybody watches all of the shows, so they played this he said it was the first time they had ever done it they played the same teaser behind all three shows so that they could get all of the audiences on board for elseworlds and uh it was a brilliant idea it was very well accomplished um and put forward so let's save that until we're done reviewing all of the shows sure and then we'll talk about that after flash because that'll lead us into maybe a little bit of an elseworlds conversation so there's really not much else we can say about looking forward to next week's Supergirl because it is Elseworlds. It is part three of Elseworlds, as a matter of fact, as the schedule is kind of going to be shifting a little bit with Flash being first on Sunday, Arrow on Monday, and Fla- and uh, Supergirl on Tuesday. So, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see where the show goes when it comes back from its midseason. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm incredibly excited. So. All right, this is going to be interesting. We're moving on. Moving on to Arrow, Season 7, Episode 8, also the mid-season finale, titled Unmasked. Felicity stands by her recent decisions regarding her family. Meanwhile, Diggle and Lila continue to look into the Dante painting that Curtis found. I don't even know why they incorporated that into the synopsis, because it plays a very little part in this episode. It was 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does lead us into that big moment at the end, uh, which to me wasn't much of a surprise at all. No. Not at all. So, I mean, you know what? Let's just get that knocked out of the way because that's a small part of it. We find out that the people that were buying this painting were going by a Latin name, and it turns out they were the longbow hunters. Mm-hmm. And and Diggle and Lila decide that they're going to go behind Oliver and Felicity's back, the whole team's back, actually, and reach out for help. And who do they reach out to? Ricardo Diaz. Yeah, not, not much of a surprise. To. They walk down the hall into the holding cells in Argus where they're holding Diaz. Sure. Yeah. OK, Um, it's not that big of a surprise. I knew he was going to play a part into the second half of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, maybe I gifted this one a little bit by giving it a legend. But you know what? Again, that played such a small part in this episode that it didn't really affect my ranking. Uh, it, it was the rest of the episode that I kind of put this into legend. So we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the meat of the episode. Okay. Oliver is out of prison. He's back at home. We find out. I think it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. At this about, point. I think they, they said, you know, just a, a couple, sh- very sh- few short weeks at this point. Yeah. And we find out that the the mayor is actually going to, the new mayor is actually going to honor Oliver for the work that he did in prisoner reform and helping to kind of get things under control in slab side kind of put a focus on what was happening and rein it in a little bit and now they can kind of focus on prisoner reform so um they're gonna honor him and i think it's important to to see too that this episode starts with the reveal at least of the person under the mask Right. And again, they still never put a name to to who this person is in this entire episode. Uh, and I want to be honest with you, before we start this conversation, I, I will say my score of this episode started at an 8.5 and then I was left with a day of my thoughts okay. on it. Uh, and it ended at a 3.5. I'm OK. I'm very curious how you how it went 
I'm, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I'm really curious how you went from an 8.5 to like a 3 with okay. this. Uh, I will happily do that. Okay. Actually. <laughs> um, and, and again, this is this is not a score I come to very lightly. Um, and this is not me dogging on the show, um, writing, anything like that. Um, I think um, Era has run its course. And I think that's really the problem here. And, and, and there's a couple things that kind of tilt in a very specific direction, which led into it losing a lot of that. So in this episode, as you mentioned, again, you you brought up the Lila and, and John stuff. The biggest thing is what's happening is a lot of characters are losing their identity, but not for a good valid reason. And that's the problem here. Um, and it, it, it shows on two of the OTA characters in a very large way and shows should allow their characters to grow. But I don't think the problem is I don't think the other two members of the OTA are growing. I, I think their characters are regressing. Um, can you know, I John's, can I take a guess and and what two characters? I, I think you're OK with Oliver. Oh, yeah, it's okay. definitely I'll, I think Oliver's OK. He should be growing. And I think his character did grow. Um, he's the only reason I didn't give this a one. Okay. Um, uh, and it's, it's John and Felicity. And I think there's a good reason. And I, it was kind of funny cause I even was on Twitter today and kind of just looking and seeing what some stuff was. I mean, I saw some, some things come into play today and I wasn't reading people's really comments. I was just skimming through and I was kind of like, Oh, you know, Mel puts up something and it was really cool and cute about like putting up Christmas decorations. And it was a picture uh, that Grant signed for him. It's kind of like to my number one fan, Stephen Amell, uh, <laughs> best wishes, Merry Christmas, Grant Custom. And it was really just kind of, it made me smile. But looking at the comments under that, and everybody was like, kind of like, you know, I saw something about Diggle and it's kind of like, oh man, you remember when? And it was just kind of like him and Oliver being friends and all these things. And I feel like we've seen so much. Let's go behind each other's backs. Kind of like, you know what? I'm like, I've made, make no bones about it. I stopped watching Supernatural a long time ago because there's only so many times you can recycle plot threads. And it's starting to happen on Arrow in a massive way. Uh, and this episode was guilty on so many fronts in three major fronts, mind you. One of them we mentioned already is Lila and Diggle. There's no reason that Diggle should not have informed Oliver about the fact that they're going to work with Diaz. Considering what just happened to William, Felicity, and Oliver. Uh, and Diggle knows all of those pieces. Um, not to mention on how hardcore Argus was going after after Diaz. So the fact that that wasn't the the the, the fact that even if they're not keeping that secret and they say, hey, immediately the next episode where you know all the cast is back together, and even if it's revealed, the fact that the show still played it that way was disappointing. Um, that bothered me quite a bit. It felt like really un unnecessary drama for drama's sake versus a smart story beat. Um, it just felt very lazy. But again, it felt like we're going to create a drama point because we need one uh, and we don't know what to do with his character. And I think that's where a lot of the other things come into play. There are only two characters that felt like they served a purpose in this episode. And mind you, let's not even talk about the future stuff yet. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment. OK. Um, was Dinah and Oliver. Uh, and I think their interactions this week were really good. And it actually made me kind of actually tilt into Dinah's direction a little bit and saying, you know what? I'm well past collision course from last year and what she did and all these things. She's doing something interesting. She's getting that edge that Quentin had. And I like what they're doing with her character. And that's fine and functional and everything works. Um, it, I, 
then they look at like, okay, what are we going to do with Curtis? He's like, he's going to have a single quip and then he's going to be written out of the episode for the rest of the episode because we'd have nothing to do with him. Um, they have Renee and Renee's is kind of like walking alongside the cast without really achieving or doing anything. He has like a handful of, uh, of lines he, he states in this episode, but he doesn't achieve or accomplish anything. His, his purpose in this episode was so minimal. Um, with the exception of getting them, getting Oliver and Dinah to, to the new, to the new green arrow, the yeah. new green arrow. But it's it stalled him, but maybe a couple hours. A phone call and an off-screen sequence with a text message could have he could have said, "Oh, go do this," and but he didn't serve a purpose. And all they really kind of did with him was kind of like, "Well, let's maybe have him set up some political aspirations." Uh, and you can see that's where they're going to go with his character. And I'm like, okay, sure, you can totally do that, um, and that's fine, and it makes sense, and uh, that that's great, but. Ultimately, the problem is we just came out of a season with characters with political aspirations, and it didn't go very well. Um, and I think the problem really is coming in before I get into the other the two massive problems. <laughs> OK, uh, and these are the little pieces that started ticking that score down like 0.25 here, 0.25 there. And then the big ones start making those big swings where I'm knocking off points that as, as a whole because I had a hard time not being able to look past it was – you know, we have all these things, and the problem is, aside from Arrow um, himself, and which is fine because you know I have no problem with. It. It's like cool. Here's we have our superheroics back, which I'm thankful for. But you have all this entire cast of characters that were superheroes that are just kind of like, well, we're just not going to be superheroes. Uh, and this is about a show that it took three seasons for them to say, you know, we're against vigilantes in our city. Um, you know. And he's, they still did it anyway. And now they're all like, well, there's an anti-vigilante law. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's just not do anything about it. And, uh, we're not going to suit up. And it makes no sense to me. Like, I just don't understand the reasoning behind people that are trying to do something and do something for the betterment of the city. Um, because they're worried about potentially getting arrested. I mean, okay. One of you guys, uh, one of the team, no lie, is the captain of the police. And yeah, she finds a way around an interesting situation this episode, which I thought was smart and it worked well with Dinah finding a way to kind of deputize, you know, Green Arrow in this episode. So he <laughs> wasn't really breaking the anti-vigilante law and he's still pissed off the new mayor. And I'm like, OK, you know, guess what? The new mayor, they're they're kind of turning into Samantha Watson uh, light and it she has no big bearing or purpose. She's kind of a stern face in the background and that's all it is. It's kind of like a parent saying, no, no, no. You have to finish eating your vegetables before you can have dessert. And that's all it kind of felt like. And I'm like, you know what? This this mayor who has never been brought up to us as a this powerful figure in the show is not some magical, mystical force that's got to stop these people doing what they need to do. And that's why it bothered me so much is that they're, these characters are letting this weigh them down that much. And this is, we've seen this character, what, twice? Uh, it, uh, whopping three or four minutes in, in this series. And I think that's kind of problematic that you've built up saying we do whatever we need to to protect the people to, oh, um, you know, uh, the mom and dad said lights out. We better turn our lights off. Uh, and that's that. It, I don't think that works in this show. And it, that's. I think that's a big, big crack in the armor right now in the show. How do you continue to do this 
for the rest of the season until this act gets revealed or repealed. No, and I, I do see a lot of the points that you're making, especially when it comes to characters and kind of like their, I guess, their meanings and their purpose in the show anymore. Uh, I had a friend who I saw a post on another posting that can we just get rid of Curtis because he's kind of useless at this point. And that was actually a point that I could kind of see when I looked back at it, because what have we really seen come from Curtis other than we got maybe one cool moment with him when he went undercover for the DEO. And, but since then we, we, we haven't really seen him develop any new technology like he did. He hasn't suited up as Mr. Terrific yet. And I, I can do kind of see the point that you're making in that we're really not getting any new character development from a lot of these characters. And some of the characters that we are seeing development, it's kind of digressive development. Yeah, and that gets us gets me to, you know, OTA member number two, which is Felicity. Um, Well, I already uh, know you haven't really had a you haven't really you've had a a, a big issue with Felicity so far this this season. season. Yeah, yeah, and and I I, I'm not gonna tear into it um, because I've made my my. If you've listened to our show, you know my opinion at this point. Uh, My problem is. Drama for drama's sake, uh, part two in this episode. Uh, we have the John one. Now, we spent a couple years with this on-again, off-again relationship angle for Oliver and Felicity. <sighs> Fine. Cool. All right. And it's it's resolved. And we said clear as day when they got married last year. And they even brought up in this episode. And I'm like, hey, you remembered. I'm like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's their anniversary. Uh, or they said, oh, it's our anniversary. And I looked at my wife and said, oh, you mean one year ago t- t- today, <laughs> they ruined Iris and Barry's wedding. And I'm like, and she's just kind of like, you're not liking the show anymore, are you? I'm like, I am. I, 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 I refuse to answer that question. So and I kind of <laughs> continued on. And uh, but the problem was we said then I was like, if you get put them and put them together and choose to have them get married, you can't play with this anymore. And guess what? You did. Yeah. I, okay. You're playing I, with this. You're playing with this angle of are they going to survive their marriage or aren't they? Oh, no. Yes or no. You can't keep doing this one foot in, one foot out like they do every season on the show with this, these characters. It is getting old and tired and boring. And that could not be the reasoning and response to keep certain characters in play. It, it's it, that means you have nothing to do with a character. That's exactly what's happening with Felicity. They have nothing to do. And you know what the sad part is? The only way that they're making her character somewhat interesting is to give us kind of a pseudo falsified story of what her future might be. That's the only thing that's interesting. And she's not even in it. And that's that's proving that there is a massive problem with her existence on the show at all anymore. That's a big problem. That is writer problem 101 on this show right now is you have characters with nothing to do and you had to create a storyline that has no bearing or weight on what's happening in this series at all. That we but that's a that's of <clears throat> that's a that we know of element I think as of right now. I think well, these two stories are going to tie in together at some point. We yeah, just the, don't know to what to well, what way. Here 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 goes the next point where the score comes down again. Okay. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I'm glad story. I just let you rant because I, uh, this is, and I, and I'm sorry to do this. I, I no, really apologize. This is why I let you take the friends lead. and listeners and, and arrow fans. And I apologize because I'll let me, but I'll make sure Ben states why he gave this a legend <laughs> because I, I, again, I, I don't know how 
to do that right now. Um, but again, the the future story, the problem is we saw Beth Schwartz, the showrunner right now, stating that the flash forwards are going to constantly continue as long as the show runs. So this story can't have a nice little bow tied on the top of it at the end of the season. It can't. But ultimately, what happens is because you have a show that has a story they're telling in the future where everything went horribly wrong, that means that what happens now, they fail. That's the problem. You have a future that is bleak, and these heroes in this city fail. I think but. it's I think it's a dangerous game in order to like it would be one thing if the flash forwards were this season, and I, I do agree with you that I think it's a dangerous game to have the flash forwards progress further as long as this show runs because now you're taking a risk of you're going to start setting up a future story that if this show gets canceled for any reason you're never going to have fulfillment of no you're never going to be able to tie them together right but i mean again though too you're talking about a bleak future and it says everything our heroes do means nothing and that's the problem with doing something like this not to mention the other problem is if it's undone because well, the Arrowverse has time travel. What's the purpose of this? And we've and already seen that affected Arrow. We've already seen that affect Arrow with Diggle's with with Diggle's child. Yeah, and that's the problem is can can you really do a flash forward? Because I never thought about it. And so that's kind of pondering on that. And I'm like, well, what was the purpose of that? And when I was thinking about that today, because I was like, okay, where, where do I think this is gonna go? And then I was like, you know what? It, that impacts everything else. It proves that regardless of what happens, that anti-vigilante law never goes away. All these things. So you're essentially saying everything that they're going to attempt and try to achieve means nothing through now until what happens to the future of Star City. And that's – I think that's a problem. I, I, I think that's a big problem. Do you think there's any possibility that what we're seeing in the, in the flash forwards could be post-crisis? It could be post-crisis. It could be another Earth. I mean, it's very possible this could be post-crisis, and that would make the most sense, and that's the one way that this could work. Um, you know, but again, I, I don't know how that still functions. And post-crisis is the only thing that that functions and makes sense that the world just gets decimated, and it happens everywhere, and the heroes have to come back and do save the day. But as you put it, the problem is, though, it, it, it lessens the importance of Nail because they're talking about the anti-vigilante movement is is still in existence. So it's still heavily reflecting to present day Star City. So they're saying certain things just never get better. So it makes you question. Why are they doing the things that they're are, doing? Why are they doing what the things or, that they're doing? Not 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 necessarily why are they doing the things that they're doing, but why are we as an audience getting invested in the things that they're doing? Because in right. the flash forwards, they're showing us that they're not going to work. Right. And that's I think that's the, the question at hand. My final point for this, which ultimately gave it, it, it it's it ticked it down to our, our low rank for me was um, the reveal. Um, and at first I thought, oh, my God, that's an amazing reveal. I'm really excited to see this play out uh, was, as you mentioned, the show opens up. We see a uh, new female character we have not seen before, um, you know, working on like Olympic rings, kind of doing upside down like push ups. Uh, and going through a pretty hardcore routine. And then we see her suit up as the new Green Arrow. And I'm like, oh, I already know who this is. And I'm like, and I, my brain was like, that's kind of awesome. And I thought last night, and again, when it was still in Legend territory, before I started kind of thinking about things, this was the one that cut it down in a big way. And it kind of, it, it upset me because of it. And I think I know why it did, because I think you're, 
because of the is it because of what her actual backstory is in the comic books and they can't do that in the series? Or um, does that have nothing to do with it? There was a little bit of that in my brain, but actually it, the problem is the character that they created for this show took most of her story already. Thea Queen was based off of Emiko Queen, who is which is this character, which is Emiko. Emiko Queen being Oliver's half-sister, who in the comic books is the daughter of Robert Queen and Shadow. Um, so, it, but she is Red Arrow, um, in, in the comic books. Yeah. She's, she was, she's, and Emiko was a, a relatively newer character, uh, in, in the realm of comics. I mean, she was, you know, late, uh, the late aughts, uh, I think maybe 2008 to maybe even early 2000, um, uh, early 2010s, uh, when she came in. So, she was a character that a lot of people really thoroughly loved. And they're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, so Thea's kind of based off of Emiko. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, that's pretty cool. So essentially what this show does, and I, it's which bothered me, I think, was I'm like, okay, so the show was basically, hey, we've got uh, four su- uh, superhero identities. Uh, we've got 45 members in this cast. And every one of them is going to take a turn playing all of those four superhero identities. And that's what the problem is in this show. It's the reason why we're up to like it feels like the 42nd um, Black Canary <laughs> in the show in, se- in seven seasons. It's why we're well on our way to now be having our third Red Arrow. Um, you know, it's it it's there's problems here. There's big problems here. And how are you going to be like, hey, look, Oliver, and, and after seven seasons, he's got another sister because, well, we have of course we had to do this story because, uh, well, her, the actress that was playing his actual sister uh, quit. So uh, and it feels like and here's the thing is the Emiko story wouldn't have existed if Thea was still in the show. And I was just going to say that. Do you think Emiko is more of a replacement for Thea? They brought her in more because Thea had left. And I think it absolutely is. And they said, well, oh, you know what? We can bring in Emiko. That's going to be awesome. And you know what? I'm still willing to 100 percent. I'm still on board for the season because I want to see them surprise me because last week was one of the best episodes. And from going from that to making this year midseason finale, I think they made a big mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, really I, I, and I agree with you completely. Mistake. Last week's episode of the Slapside Redemption wasn't just wasn't just the best episode of the season. That was hands down one of the best episodes this series has seen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for I, I'm kind of a little bit bummed for your sake because we went from an episode that we gave a super high legend ranking to an episode that you're giving a sidekick. That's a huge jump downward. And you know what? This happens with these shows. This can happen in any of these shows. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow next week, I can be like, you know what? I really didn't like it. Um, you know, it's as we do this show longer and longer and these shows run longer and longer. They, when a show runs into seven seasons, it's got to do more to surprise you. But when it does the same thing, it's hard to give it a score that's not in the middle. Um, so when it does something regressive, I think the score warrants saying you guys can't be lazy anymore because if you want to have a season eight, you got to surprise the viewers. And I think it failed here. I really do. And you know what? And I think we're right in that zone too. Cause I mean, even we brought it up. I I brought it up a little earlier, the television show Smallville, which ran for 10 seasons. And I was a huge fan of it the whole time. And that was a show that it had its flop seasons. I mean, season six and seven or seven and eight rather were not good. They were not good seasons, but I stuck with it until the end because I was committed to this, to the show. It's committed to the character. And 
you know, I think Smallville was, or no, it's not Smallville. Arrow is kind of hitting that zone right now, but it's it's in a dangerous territory, and that's why I say uh, that's what I'm saying. I really want to see them um, pull themselves up from their bootstraps. Give me a really fantastic second half of the season. Um, prove to me that hey, man, like that that bad taste you had in your mouth from last year, fully gone. And for the most part, you know what? Like I would still say this this season's probably sitting at about a a, a seven. Which oh, isn't yeah. bad. And and that's the thing. I think it's where not we, a bad thing at all. Where um, we are right now in this season is already shades better than where we were this set this part of last season. Yeah. But I think I mean, again, I guarantee you Supergirl's gonna have an episode this season that I'm gonna give a sidekick to. Flash <laughs> is gonna have one of them. Legends, I don't know. We're gonna see. <laughs> so I, I think we're about Legends could stay st- <clears throat> could stay stable in a hero. Um, and I, th- but, I think we are about due because I don't think we've given up until this point. I don't think we've given anything a sidekick. Yeah. And um, I think it, just in my opinion, I, I think uh, again, and we, we say this anytime we give a show a bad rating or a bad ranking. And again, Ben still gave this a good score. Uh, so you can direct your hate mail towards me if you like. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's for me, it, it's I love every one of these actors on the show. I, all of them are phenomenal people. I've seen every one of them give phenomenal performances on the Arrowverse shows. Uh, so I know they can all do it. And I know the writers and the directors of these shows can really prove to me that they can pull out something amazing. Uh, this episode for me, it, it, it just wasn't it. And that's what it was. Well, that's I, all. And I think, you know, just, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit and just go into why I gave this the legend that I did and is because there were, there were three different elements that I'm, I'm very curious to see where they're going to go. And that's, it's mainly pure curiosity for the future. I can't even talk curiosity for the future that really led me to give this the ranking that I did. And the first is the Miko aspect. Um, although you kind of tarnish that a little bit with, with uh, uh, Emiko, uh, Emiko. What did I say? Miko? Yeah. Emiko. Uh, Miko. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, I said E, but I think I, I think I just, I said Emiko, not Emiko. Um, but and you kind of tarnish that a little bit by making me realize that, yeah, she might just be a replacement for Thea. Um, although I am still very interested to see how they're going to explore this ba- this aspect Again, of her it's, backstory. It's still, it's still a brand new character, and they have to alter her story and all this stuff. So she could end up becoming like, hey, guys, uh, we've got the best new character we've had on the show uh, in a long, long time. Yeah. And could be our breakout character of the season. Um, it, it, it's so, yeah, it, it's like I said, it's just. Is this just a replacement character? Yeah, exactly. Um, I did mention last week, too, that the whole aspect of Felicity holding the gun to to Diaz, Diaz revealing that to Oliver when they're in the prison, uh, I did say that that was going to cause some issues between the two of them. And we saw that play out already. We're not even a week later, and we're seeing that playing out in that when Felicity pulls the gun on the mirror – after he attacks them in their in their house in their apartment, not just pulls the gun, shoots a guy. Well, shoots the guy too. You know, he we we are seeing that fracture already, and that Oliver is starting to realize that she is a different person, and Diaz was right. Uh, and I think that's going to cause not only trauma between the two of them, which we're already seeing by the end of this, in that oh, whether well, is this really where we want to be because we're not where each other should be, yada yada yada. Same story twentieth time. Um. I think this is going to cause a fracture, not only between the two of them, this is going to cause a fracture in Oliver himself, um, because he's going to start to question things up that he has started to reveal. I mean, he was the same person who was like, no, Diaz is wrong no matter what. 
and now he's going to question, well, what is what of Diaz? What as he told me, I'm yammering. Um, but what of the things that Diaz has told me is actually true? Because this is one of them. You know, mm-hmm. he's starting to realize that Diaz might be an evil person, but he's not a liar. Yeah. So, but the only the other the other thing that I really led me to give this a a legend was one. We got another amazing fight scene, which. This show is never short of when it comes to Oliver going into the club as the Green Arrow, an unmasked Green Arrow. And that right there is what really is really drove this into legend territory because I loved the whole sequence of him going in there unmasked, walking through the club, everybody seeing, like pulling out their phones, taking pictures, and him being deputized by the SCPD. This is really going to change the dynamic of the show in two ways. One, it's going to change the dynamic of the Oliver character because now he's revealed, he's out, and he's basically like a RoboCop for SCPD. Um, But this is also really going to change, I think, the aspect for Steven because now Steven can't hide under a – Steven can't hide a stuntman under a hood. He's now got to do a lot more – he's going to have to be more active in these stunts. I don't think he's got to have a problem with that. I don't think he is either. But I think it's going to – there are definitely moments like in the fight scene with um, with him and Mirror in the apartment. You could see there were definitely some stuntman moments in there. Um, but I think this is really going to make Steven step up and say, hey, I want to do this. Yeah. And I'm going to love every aspect of that because he is that kind of guy. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to see what they do with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where – the, the storyline of him going uh, is going to be like uh, moving forward because I think what's happening with, uh, you know, Green Arrow is interesting. I do think that's awesome. and I, I'm looking forward to seeing that and the relationship between him and Dinah and how that's going to continue to evolve with their, their partnership uh, at this point in time. So uh, I'm all for it. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. I mean, we did spend a good amount of time on it. Uh, next week we're, we're jumping in. The arrow is going to fill the, um, the second part of the Elseworlds crossover. And then the show does not return until January 21st for mm-hmm. after the mid season. And we don't know episode names. We don't really know anything. Uh, that's going to be happening with that. I think the only other thing that's worth mentioning, uh, is we did get to meet black star. This episode in the uh, the flash forward timeline, and it's there's been a lot of predictions as to who Black Star could be. I've seen uh, predictions that this could be the child of Roy and Thea, and I, I just don't know. I'm I'm waiting. I'm gonna wait it out and see who exactly Black Star is. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's jump in now to Legends of Tomorrow. This is part one of their mid-season finale. Hell no, Dolly. Uh, with Rory and Ava at odds, Sarah tries to come up with a way uh, for them to get along, but all is put on hold when a new magical creature attacks the Legends. Constantine is forced to confront his tragic past, but it could have devastating consequences for the rest of the team. <laughs> it absolutely does. Meanwhile, Mona has a crush on someone she works with and gets some advice from Nate. Um, Where do we want to start? Because, um, do we want to just start with Mona and, yeah, and get that stuff, get out the the stuff out of the way? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, we're, we're seeing that Mona has a crush on somebody there. Uh, and it's, it's Conan, I think is his name. Kobe. Co- uh, okay. It, it, it's, it's the Kobe, kind of like Kobe beef. Uh, ah. but I think it's 
Kobe, I think, is okay. is the pronoun- pronunciation that they've been saying on the show. And it's a lot. I could be getting that horribly wrong. And, so. and, and it's a lot of fun. Well, because IMDb has, I think it's Conane. Because Co- oh Kone yeah because oh yeah Co- yeah it is Kone Kone because yeah. um, that's how they have it spelled well, in IMDb yeah. too uh-huh. um, but yeah it's it's fun to see that um, you know Nate believes that it's it's um, it's Gary it, it's Gary that she <laughs> that she has the crush on because it's very clear that Gary has the crush on her uh, but the conversation between the two of them like well what about the man meat. And Nate obviously <laughs> thinking that's about Gary and John. I really hope that that was your line of the week selection for this episode. <laughs> uh, I haven't chosen it yet, but uh, our listeners have already heard it. And I, it could be because um, I haven't chosen anything yet. So uh, I, I think as, as great as Flash was, uh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> well, our listeners will already know that that's it um, <laughs> because uh, that's what we're going to choose. Um, there's okay because yeah, there's only one other moment I think I could have chosen for a line of the week, and it comes from the Flash. But uh, I think this one, I think you're right, is is more fun. Uh, but it kind of I think is leading this story into what we saw from Hank a couple weeks ago, in that there's a way to use these creatures as weapons, and what better way to do that than not going through the government, but actually abducting these creatures to weaponize yeah. them. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is we do see these two men come in and uh, take Conan out of his cell and kind of kidnap him. Right. And abduct abduct him. And we see Mona kind of try to be the stand-up person and rescue him or at least stop these these two people from doing this. Right. And uh, we see her get pretty gravely injured in in that attack uh, where she accidentally gets hurt by the beast. Um, and it was, you know, like I said, it obviously because of where the episode ends, um, obviously things, anything can happen here uh, at yeah. this point. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was a very interesting little side story, but again, we, we are definitely, I think seeing, um, uh, Hank Haywood's, uh, involvement on, um, that the, the, I forget what the project title was called, uh, that, that he used a couple episodes back. I think it was two, two weeks back during the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. I can't remember so. either. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's really much else we can say. I mean, it, it was more Very, just a fun. It was a humorous piece that ended kind of tragically by the end of the episode. Uh, but again, time travel and broken timelines by the end of the episode, anything can happen. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's jump into uh, I, I guess we can talk about the. Where they go, um, you know, going back to New Orleans, because uh, it kind of leads us into, I, I believe, what we're going to get as the main storyline when this show returns. Yeah. And, you know, that being they go back to <laughs> we see the we see that Zari, uh, Ava and uh, Sarah are. Oh, and Ray. Uh, uh, a very mustachioed Ray. <laughs> mustachioed uh, Ray. And it made me wonder, too, because I did see it online. Is this a kind of a dig at oh, Henry Cavill? Oh, it absolutely is a dig at Henry Cavill. There's <laughs> okay. no question about it. Absolutely not at all. Uh, th- that was very clear <laughs> that <laughs> they were having fun with Mustache Gate. Yes. So. Yeah, and it, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, seeing a Superman, another Superman, or someone who has played Superman, mustached, uh, playing a different 
different role, kind of how Cavill, Cavill did in Mission Impossible, which was just a lot of fun. Uh, but, we, but we see them eating cereal, and I can't for the life of me remember what the name of the cereal was. All I remember is that they taste like beignets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it kind of makes me want to try that cereal. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I'm more than okay with that. Um, uh, but yeah. it, it leads them to find out that there is another time, uh, you know, a mysterious uh, acronym in when, when it comes to these creatures in that the the knowledge that Ava has of serial killers, which is kind of frightening, uh, they she finds out is not what she believes it to be. There is a another serial killer or someone who they believe to be a serial killer, which is uh, the, Laveau. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is Laveau. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, Marie Laveau, uh, and from somebody actually that went to New Orleans uh, just two years ago. Uh, she's a really big name down there. Uh, so Laveau a, is a real character, is a real yes, person. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, they're, they're continuing their trend of, of pulling from real people. Um, you know, this season, and they're they're not making up people. Uh, she was somebody that practiced voodoo uh, and was really well known um, and very well loved in that city. So um, so they they twisted that into treating it like she was a serial killer so. yeah and and we do find out that Laveau does play a very interesting part in uh not necessarily the the main the storyline of the Dubeck, which is the demon that they're hunting uh but she plays a bigger part into john's story which is going to lead us into the main uh, what we believe probably is going to be the main storyline when the show returns in april uh, it has been confirmed Oh, that, okay. uh, yes, it is. That is the big bad of this year is Neron, the, de- the is demon Neron. Neron. OK, now this the gentleman that um, and forgive me, I, I can't remember his name. She, he turns out to be the long lost relative of of Laveau. Um, uh, God, what's his name? Um, Desmond. Desmond was the. We do find out that John was indeed in love with with mm-hmm. somebody and turns out to be Laveau's um I guess great grandson. Yes. Uh, okay. I I was just looking for confirmation. That was all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that you know one of the, the he is indeed the the image of this person that we have been seeing flashing through John's head over the course of this season. We do finally meet him in this episode. We find out that they they were two people that were in a relationship together. They were in love, and in order the the tragic ending to this relationship is that in order to kind of send um what's uh god i just said neuron. it neuron um to hell he had to send desmond as well so it's going to be very curious to see and and whether or not we're going to see desmond return i think we are yeah I, I, yeah my guess is because he said he had to bind uh neuron's soul to desmond so uh essentially uh, Desmond is probably going to be our embodiment, uh, is my guess is probably the way that they're going to do it. Okay. So, okay. Um, so before we get to the very end of that, let's, let's kind of skump, skip back a little bit and let's talk about the Dubek. Um, my only disappointment in this episode is, <laughs> I that, know what it is, is that from the article that we read, I was under the impression Paul Rubens was playing Pee Wee Herman. Uh, it was funny, too, because when I was reading the article, the article I was reading did not state that it just said Paul Rubens. Uh, it, it was the article header said Pee Wee Herman uh, coming to Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. But 
But that was just the header in the article. It actually does said Paul Rubens is going to be portraying a character or a voice of a character in the episode. Okay, and, so. that, and that was the only real <laughs> disappointment I had. So I was expecting. I, I totally missed that last week too. In the when I read the news, because I actually sometimes I only go off of the headers because that's all you really need to know. Yeah. So I was ex- I was fully expecting to see Pee Wee Herman, or at least maybe like a puppet Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in some form. But to get Paul Rubens playing the voice of the Dubek was kind of fun. It was. Fun. It was. And it was, again, it was just watching watching this this little doll just gunning after Ray for no reason. <laughs> but just purely, <laughs> really just wanting to go after Ray out of all of them the most. Marty? Because uh, <laughs> we do. We see the Dubek, uh, you know, release himself from the doll that, that Mick charred, uh, thinking that they had killed him and finding out that taking him out of New Orleans and putting him on the Wave Rider, I don't know why the legends didn't think of this. Uh, they thought they had killed him, and that's what changed the timeline back to normal. But in essence, all it was was just taking him out of New Orleans and putting him on the Wave Rider. Right. It didn't necessarily kill the Dubek, as we find out, because he escapes the doll and finds a new home in the puppet of Martin Stein. Yeah, which was fantastic. <laughs> which is so much fun it, to watch. And it was such a small part of the episode. It really was. It, it kind of felt like the throwaway of this episode. And that, and not really a throwaway, but because it got us to a couple major points. But, um, I mean, really, this episode was uh, was Ch- John and Charlie's yeah. uh, through and through. I mean, we, we got essentially uh, the James Tinian, started the James Tinian Hellblazer run uh, in this episode, which gives us the Neuron story and kind of plucks from other little pieces and they kind of found a way to adapt it and make it work here and man oh man is it working great i mean you already got to the main points about the stuff with john but you know the the big things that really come into pass by the end is is him kind of like i i I can't deal with not having des and or dealing with that loss and he just refuses to saddle with it he promises laveau that he'll save save him in the future uh, even at the risk of destroying the timeline. So, yeah, I mean, and that's exactly in essence where the, uh, you know, thinking about it, there's really, I mean, there was a lot of fun moments in this episode, but I don't know if there's really a lot to break down. It, it was very cut and dry and it's, there's nothing wrong with it because it set up something big. And again, this was a two-parter. This is, this is part one of part two. Yeah. Um, and this was this setup and, uh, we see, there come to be a moment at the end of the episode where he goes back to uh, about uh, several months beforehand. So it's it's uh, post Constantine working with the legends last season, but it's before this this season's adventures start. Uh, so basically, it's him coming into play and uh, and, and and finding a way to break up with Desmond. Um, before anything else can happen, which shatters the timeline. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's interesting to note too that John kind of finds a loophole in this, in in a way to do this, and that he can't go back and stop himself from meeting Desmond because what's supposed to happen is still going to happen. He ends up meeting him at a later time anyway. So instead, he goes until after he's already met Desmond to break up with him rather than prevent him from meeting him. And yeah. you're right. And when he does it, it causes this this fracture in the timeline that seems to do two different things one it freezes time for everybody else uh which is going to be very interesting to see how they get out of this uh but it also somehow changes zari into a cat yes uh as i put it last week the infinite improbability drive has officially come to legend tomorrow (laughs) yes and uh so she is a cat with red eyes so she's filch's cat from harry potter now 
So, <laughs> so she's Mrs. Norris. I, I you know what? I, I I'm just excited after watching the promo for next week because we I know we're gonna. I haven't even watched it. Uh, we know the le- episode is called Legends of Two Meow Meow. Um, oh no. <laughs> Um, and I believe Zarya is stuck as a cat the entire episode, and we see the legends as puppets. Um, and yeah, it's uh, there's also another outcome where I believe Gideon, human form Gideon, uh, Ava and Sarah are essentially Charlie's angels. So, um, uh, hold on to your butts. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Samuel Jackson. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm looking forward to where to, and I have a feeling it's going to be. Uh, Charlie and John that are going to have to kind of correct this a they little are. bit. Charlie and uh, Charlie and John are the ones that have to put the timeline uh, back somehow and undo the damage that they, that they do. So that's what we'll be seeing uh, this week. Cool. So. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how this midseason is going to shape up. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and especially uh, and if you're not familiar with who Neuron is um, or anybody out there is not familiar, uh, he's essentially. Uh, you know, every comic book universe has each universe has multiple versions of the devil. This is the version of the devil that makes all of the deals. So if that helps uh, to give you an idea of what to expect. Gotcha. Because I wasn't too familiar with Huron anyway. So, yes. Um, so that's that's what to expect out of Neuron. Cool. Neuron. I keep saying Huron. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, next week, uh, it will be the actual midseason finale. And <laughs> Legends to Meow Meow is, oh, God, that's fantastic. Um, I already love that just for that name. All right. This is the one I know we're looking forward to talking about because this was such a fantastic episode. Let's and oddly talk- enough, it's going to be fairly easy to talk about with the exception of two or three scenes. Yeah, uh, I agree with that completely. It, this might be another pretty cut and dry episode to talk about, uh, but it is indeed the 100th episode of The Flash. What's past is prologue season five, episode eight in the 100th episode. Barry and Team Flash come up with a plan to stop Cicada. However, the plan calls for Barry and Nora to travel back in time to gather some key necessities. Meanwhile, Sherlock... I never say it right. I'm just, I'm just going to keep saying Sherlock. Neither can the cast. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sherlock's suspicions about Nora continue to grow. Now, before we jump into this, I, I, I'm just going to say this from the start, and then we're going to save this for the end. You and I were messaging each other after this about the ending of this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a prediction I had made coming to fruition. You thought it was something else with a little bit of a question behind it. After watching this th- episode three times, I'm with you. Okay. I do not think it is my prediction. I think it is what you said it is. And with that little bit of a question element behind it. But we'll save that for the end because that's obviously the end of the episode. Okay. So, um,. Man, we got to say from the start, too, while Supergirl was directed by Kevin Smith, uh, Tom Cavanaugh had the honor of directing this 100th episode milestone. And what a fantastic job. He, uh, did. he directed the shit out of this episode. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, seeing it was just so cool seeing Teddy Sears return, seeing Michelle Harrison return, seeing John Wesley Shipp return, seeing Kavanaugh not just direct the shit out of this episode, but portray not one, but three, possibly four different versions of Wells in one episode Mm -hmm. was just fantastic. Um, And it, it really acknowledges and shows why over the past couple seasons he has been our favorite cat one of our favorite characters when we do the annuals yeah 
because he's just a phenomenal actor. And still, to me, even going forward now, while he plays different versions of himself, some good, some bad, he, in essence, and along with Jesse L. Martin, is one of the two hearts of this show. Absolutely, and always will be. I don't think you could do this show without him. I really no, don't. I, absolutely not. You could, um, it just would not be the same. No, it wouldn't have the same impact and the same punch. No. So, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of small touching scenes in this episode. Um, uh, but let's let's start at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely see that in order for them, they have to find a way to stop Cicada, and with his dagger, he can't do that. They need something powerful in order to attract his his dagger away from him so that they can keep their powers and stop him. Um, and, man, what a clever way to, one, come up with something, but find a way to incorporate it into the past of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they find out that in order to do this, you need a metal that's stronger than what his is made of. Savitar suit is the way to mm -hmm. do that. You need a way to charge it with dark matter. The gun that... Hunter Zolomon uses to steal Barry's uh, speed is the way to do that. And then you need to charge it with dark matter. You go back to the beginning. You go back to when Star Labs exploded. And you you kind of ride that wave with the dark matter. Yeah, and it's it's, it's going back to the, the show's three best seasons. Um, you know, that we do get a touch of DeVoe in a quick shot or two. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, but it goes back to three three big bads um and kind of looking at this almost you know watching barry and nora kind of watch a clip show essentially yeah. is the best way to put it yeah uh, with it, occasionally with occasionally stepping in uh and, and and interacting with some of the people that they're trying to avoid so yeah i mean and it was just uh you know it, it, it kind of plays out and this is actually another back to the future reference the first one very obvious which probably one of my favorite moments of the episode um but it kind of plays out very similar to back to the future 2 in that you know Mar biff steals the almanac has to and changes the past marty has to go back and fix things while kind of staying out of the way of things that have already happened you know i kind of akin it to the the scene where barry and nora go back to savitar and they're kind of um, actually not even that scene, but the scene where they go back and they take the, the injector from, from, uh, from zoom, there's that scene with Cisco looking through the window of the glass and Barry and Nora kind of have to hide themselves is mm -hmm. very similar to the scene of Marty hiding behind the door while his other version of himself is talking to his parents. Mm -hmm. You know, this plays out very much like back to the future part two. And that's yeah. one of my favorite things that I loved about the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thoroughly did too. It was it was a, it was a good way to ha find ways to sneak in new footage and old scenes, and they they did it in a really creative way, almost so. seamlessly. Yeah, uh, they you, did a really good job. At some points in time, we were like, did they just kind of like green screen them into the shots sometimes? And sometimes it made you question: Is this a new new shot, or is it an like, or is this is this them doing an alternate take on a pre-existing one? Yeah. Uh, and they did a really great job of making that, as you put it, very seamless. Yeah. So. Now, the only question I have, I, I do have one question about the way things played out. Uh, we do see that the, um, the time wraith does show up because they're sensing that there are going to be differences to the timeline. And it, it, 
it has come after you know Barry and Nora to try and stop them. We do see when they go to the next part where they have to go with Zoom, uh, Hunter Zolomon does return uh, because mm-hmm. he senses more speed force. He senses Barry. He senses Nora. And I think he kind of knows that they're not from that time. Right. Uh, you know, so he does indeed chase them into – uh, you know, into the vortex in time, and the time wraith follows them and snags Hunter Zolomon out of there. Would that not indeed change the timeline? Well, we don't know what happens when a time wraith catches up to you. And my guess is they're like, nope, this is not how this is supposed to play out. So maybe dude. it just returned him to. And yeah, because if not, the, the entire show would have been like, hey, we just broke the timeline horribly. Uh, nothing is right when we get back. This This was very much. Because uh, I even posed this question to our good friend TJ, and I'm like, what was your take on that? And he's just like, he just got dumped back off. And I would talk to a couple other people, and they're like, there's no way that it was anything but getting dumped back off. And I'm like, that's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't looking at it in a too simplistic of a way. Um, but yeah, that question did float across my brain. But okay, uh, And everybody else is apparently on board that, no, that's just, that's all it is, is the time rate that ditches him back into where he's supposed to be. To keep the timeline the way it should be. Right, because if not, that those events wouldn't come to pass. Everything post season two wouldn't have happened the okay. way that they did. All that stuff. So I think that's an easy. We can just write that off. Okay. So. All right. That's what that's what I kind of figured a little bit was that it just kind of took him out and put him back to where he should have been. Um, but you know, it, it did arise when I did see that moment of like, wait a minute, that's going to change things, and and it didn't. Um, but yeah, but we see like actually after that is the cause and effect of something that does happen that they did not plan, uh, that did not go that that didn't happen was they kind of fall out of the timeline. The injector gets broken, and they have to rely on nobody else, uh, anybody else but Eobarthon to fix it. Yeah, and it's there is a clue in that scene that leads me to what I started this conversation with. Okay. Into makes me believe the the very end, but we will we will get to that. Yeah, um, there's another theory I'm going to bring up too. That's not my own, but again, it's also our friend TJ's, and it's an interesting theory. Uh, it's again, I, I I side on a different side of things, but oh, it's all good. I'm curious. You've you've definitely okay. got me curious. Um, yeah, I mean the stuff about them traveling through time, getting the piece of Savitar's you know suit, getting the injector, uh, stopping back at you know Star Labs before the the particle explosion to to inject things with dark matter. Uh, I think everything about that is pretty straightforward. It was really just stuff that was just really fun to watch and relive when it came to the past, when it came to you know the, the past of the series. Uh, I don't really think there's anything too much to dive into until we get to the end um, and kind of pulling little bits and pieces from that. Um, So, uh, you know, outside of that, we do see them return. I do have to say uh, when we see them leave to go back in time, uh, this was the other Back to the Future reference. Um, Ralph pushing the button and Back in Time by Huey Lewis playing uh, had me busting out laughing. Yeah, <laughs> because this is not the first time we have heard this song in relation to time travel in the world of DC. No, Teen Titans Go to the Movies was the last time, but this time it was hysterical. And honestly, I loved the moment of Nora and Barry running in the pipeline uh, with the music that, still playing back with the, behind with, them. And it was it was really cool. It was yes. it was it was the moment there was kind of like, you know what, if they're ever going to do it, this was the episode to do it. And they did a great job. And, uh, I think that was. 
that that song gets overused with time travel stuff. This is the one time, and Teen Titans did it in a very humorous way. This time here, it felt like it was an honor. Yeah, and and I think I think part of it too is possibly DC and Warner Brothers still had the rights to the song mm-hmm. because of Teen Titans, and they were like, okay, let's use it here too. And you're right, as as great as it was, and as much of it made a smile, brought a smile to my face in Teen Titans, it fits so much better here. Yeah, really, absolutely fits so much better here, especially considering, like I said, a lot of these moments of when they traveled back in time had a very much Back to the Future 2 feel to it. Um, you know, in hiding from previous iterations of the the characters uh, themselves. So uh, it was just, it fit in there. It was so much fun. It was, and it was great that when they came back, the music was still playing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they returned right back to that point in the song that they, they left at. And where the, the music led into, led right up to the moment of where they traveled through time. I loved that how when they returned, it led, it stayed playing right up until it went to commercial break. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> it was it, perfect. And it was perfectly timed, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, but we do indeed see them return. We do indeed see that the shard of dark matter is injected. Uh, we did see them put it, um, you know, um, shift it into a pillar so that it is at the hospital when they come back to that period in time. And they Bill s- and Ted time hacked. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. I was thinking about that too. They, they bogus journeyed that. <laughs> they did. Um, no, that was. Um, that wasn't nope. Bogus Journey. That was uh, Excellent Adventure. Oh, you're... Uh, when they leave the keys yeah. to the prison. No. Well, they, yeah, they do it there, but they the, the massive time hack game oh, they do it, I think at the end of Bogus Journey. They do it in both. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Um, um, leaving the garbage can and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we also, I think it's note to see, too, that when Wells and Barry arrive at the hospital, in that scene, we see the nurse who was also there. So we're kind of getting, um, we're kind of seeing that doctor, a little bit of her origin too. We're seeing where it stems from about her right. not seeing or not agreeing with, with these metahumans. Right. So yeah, when, when Eobard's version of Wells during the particle accelerator gets struck by lightning and Barry gets struck, we see her at the triage center treating them after the accelerator blows. So we see her dislike for metas uh, and those moments when the city kind of, goes nuts kind of becoming corrupted a little bit yeah uh by kind of her hate for metas then and there but like i loved when the particle accelerator went off and they went through like the creation of firestorm and the creation of devoe uh we see you know um you know the plane struck and weather wizard created uh, you know all these little things and it's just to remind you of where it all started and it, all i could think of in my brain was man i want to go back and watch it oh uh, dude the same exact thing like i so. saw all those scenes and after seeing everything throughout the course of when they went back from all those little things yeah. that you mentioned um seeing the yellow suit in you know in the room and everything it made me think i'm like oh god i want to rewatch this series i want to yeah, go back but- and start from the beginning and, and one of the other uh, you know great scenes, too, is that Eobard scene when we see that's added into the mix. Uh, and when uh, the particle accelerator is about to go off um, with already knowing Eobard dealt with Nora and Barry when he had to fix the, the gun, um, you know, for them when they're going through the motions. The fact that he knows that they have to go back to make that happen. Yeah. Um, when we realize when they get there. Uh, when they're at Star Labs before the accelerator turns on, him breaking away and never going to talk to them, knows that they're there, but th- there's that great 
conversation between that version of Wells, uh, aka Eobard, and and uh, and Cisco, which was a really other wonderful wonderful scene. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And uh, you got that chill, that chill when he held his hand up to shake his hand. Yeah, and it was that, and you're like, would they do this? And I'm like, at the hundredth episode, they might. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so it, it left you uneasy. But in the right way. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And it makes me curious to go back and rewatch everything to see how much of this stuff actually played out um, and, and, and com- kind of compare the two. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, to see how dead on they got everything. Um, but let's jump into, you know, the actual confrontation with Cicada. Uh, we do see that it indeed does work. Uh, it does attract the dagger away from him. And we see Cisco um, send it into space. Which uh, was the only other nitpick I had is like, why would you not send it to another Earth? Uh, well, it was kind of like, why is Thor's aim so bad in, in Infinity War? So, <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. It's like, why would you go for the chest? Yeah, the head's exactly. the better. Should have gone for the head. Why did you yeah. go for space? You should have gone for another Earth. And right, and it, it's it's one of those moments. But you know what? Again, who, nobody expects that. You know? Yeah. Um, but and we did, uh, yeah, we did get confirmation too in this scene. Uh, in that, you know, Cicada does consider himself a meta now um and he knows that when his mission is accomplished uh he's got to go yeah so he i mean he even says it full on like when i'm finished with all with all of them uh i'll 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 take care of myself and he you know it's uh it's very interesting and as i mentioned before too it probably wouldn't have been until the mid-season finale because we did get that element of him saying that you know this wound is making him stronger and I said it probably wouldn't be until the midseason finale that we're getting a true gauge of what his strength is. Man, we got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, one of the great moments, though, is now we understand the importance of Killer Frost finally. Yeah. Um, she is not she a is, meta. She is not a meta. Uh, and she is immune to Cicada. So she is going to be that big weapon that we're going to see. And I'm looking forward to seeing that play out. I am, too. So I, I really am too. Uh, but, you know, going back to Cicada's strengths, we know that uh, he is incredibly strong. Uh, he can tolerate a lot of punches because we see that that punch from Barry and man, he, he takes it and, you know, he gets back up from it. But we can all what we also see is that thanks to the dagger, he can fly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very yeah. interesting as well. So and we can see that it doesn't really matter where on Earth or off this Earth this dagger is. They're connected yeah. and he can bring it right back to him. It would be very interesting to see if if Cisco did breach it to another Earth, could he bring it back? Yeah, uh, it's it's very possible. Well, it's a big wait and see. Yeah, I think right, and well, I, I, I think the only other thing I want to mention, too, about the dagger is um, he is protective of what he does with it. Because he mm-hmm. can generate that force field around it so that it does not impale human beings. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we did see that moment with with Sherlock and and um, Caitlin. Yeah. So uh, you were about to say something. Uh, I was going to say, well, let's get to the big stuff at the very end here because well, we have a couple pieces to talk about. Plus, we still have that stinger to talk about. Yeah. Plus, we still have to do the news. And it's already been almost two hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, And I am 
my blood sugar's dropping. It's been, like it's been an hour and a half. Let's let's uh, not hour and a half. exaggerate. But yeah, it'll be okay. close to two hours by the time we're done. By but the time we're done, we're talking <laughs> mid-season finales in the hundredth episode. Oh, oh no, absolutely to be expected. <laughs> yeah, but we still have a lot to talk about. Yes, so. we do. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we get that end scene uh, before the stinger. In that, um, you know, we we didn't really mention much about the journal, Nora's journal, in which it's written in a time language that kind of doesn't change as the timeline changes. It yeah. she is able to know and distinguish what was there, what isn't there anymore, simply by this language that she claims she created. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads us Which to Sherlock ain't buying. No, he's, <laughs> so. he's really not. And we're seeing that end scene where she's going into Gideon. Uh, she is transcribing the the journal entries and sending them to somebody in somebody in 2049, who she now has a personal message to deliver. She decides to deliver it her to herself. Uh, deliver it herself. She goes back to 2049, so we do know that she can very easily travel from her time to Barry's. Uh, before that happens, though, we do see a line of the dialogue transmi- um, transcribed by Sherlock, and that is, the timeline is malleable. Mm-hmm. And what do we see next in that Nora is standing in front of a jail cell that looks in Iron Heights, in Iron yeah. Heights who turns around but the face of Wells. And here mm-hmm. are where the theories come in. Well, all right. Um, well, let me let me get, let well, me say mine. Well, I don't even want to hit the theories yet. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so there is a key thing that we didn't talk talk about at all. Um, that kind of I figured we were going to save until the end here. Is there is a couple major names dropped when we see yes. Will's well Eobard the first time, uh, and that is when he sees Nora. He's kind of like, okay, let me guess on who you are, and he name drops a couple big speedsters right off the bat. Don Allen. One, well, hold on before we get to Dawn, because that gets into things. Okay. All right. He mentions Libby Lawrence, uh, Jesse Chambers, and Danica Williams. Three really, really, really big, big names. Uh, so Jesse Chambers is the, you know, Jesse Chambers Wells, uh, a.k.a. Jesse Quick. So yeah, that was not a big shock. Uh, Libby Lawrence is um, Johnny Quick's, um, you know, uh, Oh my god, his daughter? No, wife. Um, or no, daughter of Liberty Bell and Johnny Quick. Um, so so that's kind of another version of Jesse Quick. So a couple different versions of Jesse there right off the bat. But then he brings up Danica Williams, which brought a dumbass smile to my face because <laughs> that is uh, the Justice League uh, Beyond version of uh, the Flash who inherits from Wally West in the future. So and works alongside Terry McGinnis as the new Flash in the Beyond universe. So that was cool as hell. So, uh, But then he says, wait a second, nope, Dawn. And there's a line that's a throwaway. That does, that was definitely not a throwaway. <laughs> I think I know what it is, too. Uh, and he's just like, kind of like, he's like, no, it's it's Nora. He's like, he's like, well, at least you still have one of them. Yeah. Um. Well, that could be one of two things, really clearly. So one, obviously, Don Allen uh, and Don Allen are the Tornado Twins. Uh, So that's the question of, well, that sounds like either Reverse Flash killed Don, or in this universe, the Tornado Twins are Nora and Dawn, uh, which is an interesting piece of it, uh, is another possibility. So that is another big question now. Uh, Or um, it's the straight up, nope. Again, Don gets killed. 
uh, Dawn's still alive and is probably Nora's younger brother and sister. See, I, uh, I took it as something different, though. I mm. took it as in something that happened post that Wells that they had done, maybe possibly from Flashpoint, changed things. And that the Tornado Twins were no longer their children, but Nora was. Uh, it's possible. Uh, it's, it's a big wait and see. There's a lot. Like I said, there's too much to unpack in that. So let's not try any further. Okay. Because man, oh, man, I think our heads are going to spin. I tried to do that last night with Kat. And I was just talking in circles around myself. <laughs> and I'm like, let's just not. Let's not try. <laughs> so Got it. Um, all right. So let's get into the theory pieces here. Okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll bring up mine first, only because I don't think mine is true anymore. And this was something I had mentioned a couple episodes ago, was that I felt that there was an influence with Nora. Uh, Sherlock was onto it. And I kind of made mention that I believed it potentially was a future version of Wells, whether it be a future version of Sherlock uh, or another version of Wells that we're going to be getting soon in you know in a future season of the show um i have since come away from that theory and i'm now on board with yours and but it sounds like yours might have potentially changed now too since last no, time we spoke my my theory is still the same i my my theory is still ground very grounded and i feel that it makes the most sense which is uh this is eobard this, yeah yeah. This is with Eobard. Well, yeah, there's no question in my mind that it's Eobard. Um, is really, you know, in order to stop Barry from dying in the crisis, Nora goes to the one person that she knows could stop it. And she enlists the help of Eobard. Um, because she's going to try to promise him the one thing that Barry promised him in this episode and doesn't deliver. Uh, I will help get you back to the future. So... My guess is that is his price uh, with Nora is if I do this for you, then clear as day, you got to get me back. And that's that's my my theory. And, and, and I can see that. But you did. The one thing you did say, though, is it does bring up a very interesting question if this is indeed the case. Uh, and that is, why is he wearing Wells's face? Why did they not bring back Matt Lesher to play that part? So it depends on which point in time is this character. Um, and they did say officially, we are going to find out why the first Flash does keeps not dying. Uh, they said that will be fully addressed this season. So, so it, is, said, it has been confirmed that this is reverse Flash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, again, I don't think there's a question in that at all. Uh, and it's just the fact that we're going to find out the reasons behind it uh, on all of that. They said will fully be revealed this season. So, OK, uh, it's, a, it's a big wait and see. It's on all of it, how it plays out. But I, that is my theory. Uh, TJ's theory, I thought was interesting, but I I don't buy it, uh, which was his thoughts. And I thought because it's an interesting theory, I'd bring it up very briefly, is that um, that Dawn and Don do exist and. The daughter that is so-called Nora uh, was adopted. Uh, she was adopted by Iris because she is actually Eobard's daughter. Um, and Barry and Eobard go missing by the end of the crisis. And his daughter is left behind. And Iris is the one that takes her in. But then Eobard's there. So that theory doesn't exactly make much sense. It doesn't. But it's an interesting theory. So, um uh, it explains why she doesn't know a whole bunch of history about Barry, especially about his grand, like why her grandmother's not alive. All these little pieces that probably still would have been brought up in some way or shape or form because she knows her father's the Flash. So, I mean, so much can be looked at and picked apart again. 
<coughs> excuse me, um, our heads will start spinning. And I think it's <laughs> it's better not to dive into time travel dynamics because we'll be here until next year. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be talking about next year's crossover before this conversation is done. Yeah. Uh, so it's better not to deal with that mess. I mean, and, and I think really the only thing left to say is that, as I mentioned, there are a couple clues throughout the episode that kind of lead you to believe that this is indeed Eobarthon, uh, which is what made me change my my opinion on what the theory was by the after watching this episode three times. Um, I mean, we do see in the scene where they get knocked out of the the timeline and they know that you know, they have to get help to fix it. Nora is very adamant, like, well, you know, this version of Wells is very smart. Why don't we get him to fix it? She knows already that this is Eobard. Um, she knows how smart Eobard is because she's already been dealing with him. Right. Um, and, you know, there is also the clue as well. Um, God, my mind just went blank. I forgot it. Um, uh it's there, all good. <laughs> there are there are a number of clues there, throughout there, the episode. There, there are plenty of trails. You know, I, I think if you watch the episode, they when you watch it once, they all make very, themselves very evident by the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but let's get into that stinger, which is uh, oh, and, and the smallest piece. They kind of fixed the cow. Huzzah! Yes, I know you were very you were slightly more pleased about slightly. it. Slightly. So still and I, not all the way there, but much better. And I had said it too that we were mo- that we were getting yeah. a, new, a new cow at some point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but let's get into that stinger, man. Um, I was so happy to have the opportunity to talk to John about this stinger because it's it's him. I mean, it's him and uh, LaMonica Garrett who plays the monitor, uh, as well as a number of dead heroes. Yeah, um, I actually have the list in front of me if you like. Go for it. All right. So in the wreckage again, because again, it's the shortest scene in the universe, uh, but I <laughs> we watched it three times. So uh, they they stick out really well. Uh, so we do see Stargirl. Uh, and it looks very much kind of like the Stargirl we saw from the JSA in Legend of, yes. of Tomorrow. Uh, again, it's kind of hard to tell because they did a version in Smallville, and this looks kind of similar to it, but uh, that version as well, but it's, again, hard to tell. Uh, Funny that you bring s- up Smallville. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is another person that uh, there in the wreckage we see right after, which could be one or two of two characters. Some people are saying Brainiac 5s. A lot of other people are saying it's Stripe. Uh, who works out so, alongside Stargirl. So that's another possibility. Uh, we see another body as well, which appears to be Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. the Huntress. Uh, we then see a version of Firestorm. Again, you can't quite make out the face, but it looks kind of more like Jefferson Jackson. Uh, and then we see uh, 90s Captain Cold doubled over. Yes. Uh, we see Jesse Quick. We see the Helmet of the Ray. Uh, we see Hawkman's body, and it's hard to tell if you're seeing Hawk Girl's cow or if it's Hawkman's cow. It's still because of the angle, it's really difficult to tell. It looks more like Hawk Girl. I would, um, I would like to think that the way, as much as we loved the Hawks, it's both of them. <laughs> I, my guess is it's both. Yeah. Uh, we do see uh, a body that looks like it's uh, potentially Leonard Snart, Captain Cold, because we do see his goggles on the ground, and the big shocker. Uh, we see the body of the Green Arrow from Smallville, a very clearly Green Arrow from Smallville, uh, makes, before we it, ultimately see uh, Barry Allen from the 90s crawling through the wreckage. Is this so. the is this the Smallville nod Amel was leading towards? It's very possible. It, it could very well be the nod. Yeah, so. I, th- I think so, too. I think it could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, seeing that 90s version of Barry Allen played by the wonderful John Wesley Ship, who we completely neglected to mention we were talking about the 100th, that scene of um, Nora and Barry standing outside of um, 
Nora and Henry moments before everything initially starts. Yeah, um, which was a great, great, another small, quick, great sequence, though. So. Yes. But if you want to hear more about that scene, go back and listen to the interview with John, because we do talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But seeing him, you know, crawling towards the monitor, seeing him donning that 90 suit or version of that 90 suit. Um, and again, I talked to John. You listened to the interview. I talked to John about this. One of my favorite elements of this cross this this tease is when Barry Allen runs away. We get that tease of the 90s theme music along with that little slow motion run towards the screen. Mm hmm. Very kin to that 90s television series. And, of course, Earth 90, which is where this all takes place, is a reference to the 90s series. Yeah, uh, is this, is, this is a great tease, though, for what's to come this Sunday. So I am super excited. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, man, this was a great week in shows, for the most part, for me. <laughs> I, I know, I know you had your differences with Arrow. Um, I, I thought this was a fantastic week of shows. And, and you know, I, I think next week is going to be just as big, if not bigger. Yeah. You know, next week we're going to be talking about the Legends season finale, mid-season finale, and then we're going to dive into Elseworlds. Yeah, and it's going to be a great week, guys. Uh, just be, be pumped for it, because uh, we can't wait to go into this super in-depth with you guys, because... Uh, the one thing the Stinger did was showed us that every piece and I'll, there's a piece of news that we'll get to uh, that. I'll Actually, you know what? I'm going to save that statement until I read that piece of news. OK, so. you know what? Let's just jump into it. Let's get into okay. the DC news since we're, we're yeah. finished with the, the breakdowns. Uh, all right. So uh, just real quick, uh, not a ton to go on here this week. Uh, pretty light. Uh, but uh, Warner Brothers is apparently is incredibly confident in Aquaman because they're already talking about green lighting this sequel. Uh, the movie's not even out yet. So, man, oh, man. Um, Man, I'm pumped. A couple weeks, guys. I know, man. We, and we get the advanced screening, too, which is great. Yeah, and some of you guys actually might get a chance to see it even before we do with the Amazon Prime screening that's coming up. So uh, uh, remember, guys, uh, the movie doesn't open wide until the 21st. So please do your best to keep your opinions and spoilers off the Internet. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, just a reminder, because, again, the world is all not going to see it together. So, all right. Uh, Lego Batman 2 is officially in the works from director Chris McKay. Uh, so I guess that means uh, the uh, Nightwing project is kind of on the back burner if Chris McKay is focusing on Lego Batman 2 first. So, uh, so yeah, it sounds like we'll be hearing a little bit more of that uh, sooner than we think. So uh, jumping also over to Todd Phillips' Joker film, uh, officially the film wraps uh, production. So, like I said, that means they're going to be in post now. So we'll be finding out, I'm sure, quite a bit. And I would not be surprised that come uh, summer, we'll, we'll be seeing, um, actually, probably even before summer, uh, we'll, we'll probably see our first teaser. So I'm cool. looking forward to it. Yep, me too. Uh, jumping into a little bit of news about Birds of Prey. Uh, and, well, first off, let me get it right. The Birds of Prey, the fantabulous <laughs> emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, we did find out a couple tiny little things. So, uh, first off, they said the reason for the title was because usually films that have long titles are very serious films. And they said it was kind of their way of kind of mocking that a little bit and kind of saying, you know, this movie doesn't really take itself too serious. So uh, that was kind of the, the purpose of that. But they said... 
again, the way that this will appear on posters is very much that piece in parentheses. Uh, but they did say something officially that uh, there's been, well, not officially, but there's been some shots going around Warner Brothers uh, of shots of Harley Quinn without her tattoos that we saw very prevalent in Suicide Squad. So this is kind of peeling away that whole idea of Harley Quinn and Joker together. So uh, but again, I think this is also a little bit of course correction from Suicide Squad's character designs. So I think this is them saying we're, we're finding a way to roll it back. So uh, and I don't think a lot of people are going to mind that too much. So. No, I know I won't. Except maybe a couple cosplayers, and that's about it. So. <laughs> uh, but again, uh, looking forward to seeing more about that soon. So I'm sure uh, come San Diego Comic-Con, uh, we're going to see the doors blown off on that in a big, bad way. Uh, jumping into some more video game talk, uh, something that came out today and something we might be finding out in 30 minutes from after us recording this is uh, Warner Brothers Montreal apparently teasing uh, a new Batman game uh, in the Arkham series, or somewhat Arkham Adjacent is a Batman Court of Owls game uh, worked on, again, by Warner Brothers Montreal, which is the same team that worked on Batman Arkham Origins. So this is not the Rocksteady project, guys. This is a completely side side team. So seems like that is the case. But there was a leak that came out today as well, showing that there are several projects over at Warner Brothers, one of them called Project Diana. Uh, so everybody's wondering, is a Wonder Woman game in the works to launch probably somewhere close to the release of Wonder Woman 1984. So that'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that would be a big shock. And uh, it sounds like that also is not Rocksteady's project as well. So, um, all right. So uh, jumping into some Supergirl news, uh, sounds like Jessica Merez has been cast as the villain Menagerie. So we'll be seeing her uh, make her appearance. She, the character first appeared in action comics, 775. Uh, so we'll be seeing that character in the mix. Uh, Menagerie was also one of the members of the Elite. So uh, some, a team that Manchester Black was part of in the past. So uh, we'll be seeing that character make her appearance when the show comes back next year. All right. Uh, jumping into um, some Batwoman discussions. It sounds like the pilot is going to officially, well, uh, not officially, unofficially start shooting in April of 2019. So we'll be seeing that very, very soon, starring Ruby Rose. And we'll find out about the fate of that series. Probably, uh, so again, San Diego Comic-Con time, guys. So. It sounds like we'll probably get a, a September 2019 debut of that yeah. show. That's my guess as well. Yeah. Uh, for those of you uh, ready and uh, ready to go on Elseworlds, the full trailer is up. It's over on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash DC primetime. But for the eagle eyed viewers, they may have noticed a small piece of uh, classic DC films lore sitting uh, next to Nora Freeze in this trailer. Uh, in that trailer, we saw, <laughs> oddly enough, Something I never thought connected to this universe <laughs> one bit was uh, the Dark Knight Rises Mask of Bane from Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, so not only is Smallville a part of Elseworlds, but this is saying all bets are off, guys. Uh, the DC universe as a whole uh, can be included now. So this is, again, just a small nod, but this means, hey, uh, expect the unexpected in the future. So that could mean anything. Yeah, so, man. Uh, it's very, anything's very, possible. Very and uh, we do hear uh, our good friend John John Wesley Ship say in that trailer, though, too, a crisis is coming. So, guys, uh, be excited for next week. I can't wait, man. I'm so stoked. Uh, 
we we are ready to rock. Yes. Uh, but that is it. That is it for the news. Cool. Um, recommendations this week. The only thing I can say is, I mean, as great as that 100th episode again it was, I've watched it three times. I will probably end up watching it again. Um, but other than that, I, I think maybe just maybe watch Crisis um, on Earth X from last year. Just to kind of um, remind yourself of a crossover before we get into Elseworlds. And uh, for me, uh, I'm going to tell you a Elseworlds comic to read, and it's one of my favorites. Nice. Uh, it, it's it's actually – it's called Speeding Bullets. And if you've never read it, it is a fantastic oh, read, I've and it's the story that of one. what if Clark Kent landed in Gotham City and was adopted by Thomas and Martha Wayne. I forgot um, that was an Elseworlds story. And it's a fantastic one, so I highly recommend uh, – to check that one out, it's a fantastic read, and it will give you an idea of what to expect when Elseworlds is upon us. I'm going to reread that, too. That's that's a good one. That's a good recommendation. Uh, cheap plugs, and then we're going to get out of here, enjoy the uh, the video game awards and such. Uh, but <clears throat> as always, you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, Facebook page for this podcast, as we've mentioned a couple times already, facebook.com slash dcprimetime. And of course, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at DC Primers. And as for me, you can find me at the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, also over at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, like I said, our new episode will be up next week. It wasn't, unfortunately, this week. Uh, we Unfortunately, there was a lot of stuff going on where a lot of people's schedules got shifted last minute. Uh, but for a lot of us, though, that was because of very good reasons. Uh, ben got to see Hugh Jackman, so huzzah. I did. Uh, right. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. that uh, put our cast a little little light because uh, of a couple people have, having some things going on. So uh, we're resetting. Oh, God, that sucks. We're resetting for Monday night in the middle of the crossover. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yes, we are. So. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, All right. Uh, but we will be doing a kind of two-part. Uh, one that you'll get actually a double dose. So you're going to get two shorter episodes, but two episodes in December from us to make up for it, where you will get an hour long Mel Brooks special and an hour long Christmas special from us uh, broken up across a couple weeks that one of them you'll get be getting probably right around Christmas and the other one uh, just a few days after. So we'll be doing that this coming week. So expect that to be coming next week. I am going to be a really busy person. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Also a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com uh, You can check out his tunes that he provides to us each and every week on this show. Uh, make sure to check out all the stuff he's working on. Nice. Uh, and the only other thing I can recommend, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it as the recommendations. Check out the interview with John Wesley Shipp. Yeah, uh, yeah, from earlier this week, uh, or from yeah, earlier this week at the time you're listening to this, because um, he's just an uh, incredibly nice and genuine man, and we will definitely have him on again. He's always yeah. a great, uh, great guest. Uh, but that's indeed. gonna what? I just said indeed. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode. Next week, guys, we are talking Elseworlds, and I cannot wait. We both cannot wait. Uh, mm-hmm. But until that time, we'll see you around the bend. Take care. Peace.